0: Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from Psalm 19, verse 1, which is really a psalm about the Word of God. But the first verse says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. The point is that this verse tells us that God has revealed Himself to mankind. The heavens declare his glory, all the glory of the heavens. You have the sun and the planets and the stars and the vastness of the universe out there to see his handiwork. And, of course, the Bible says that he created this out of nothing in an instant of time. And it also says the firmament shows his handiwork, even the things in our own life, even the things that we see, the flowers and the trees and the grass and the weather and all the things that he has provided for us that give us life. We have the sun, so we have vitamin D. We have water, and we have a body that functions miraculously, that we're able to move around and to think. And to do the things that God has called us to do. All these wonderful things have been provided to us so rich and so free. What a great creator, what a great God, what a great Savior who loves us and proved it by going to the cross and bearing our sins in his own body as he hung on that tree. He took our place, and because of that we have life and life more abundantly as we put our faith and trust in him and in him alone. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of It's the radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Abbasad, who has a ministry in the Middle East. He's a global outreach missionary, and the Lord has opened all sorts of opportunities. He's in several countries in the Middle East. He's planted churches in these countries, countries that are in the news, like Syria, like Iraq, like Lebanon, like Jordan, like Libya, like uh, Sudan and others. And today we're talking about uh, the crisis with refugees, uh, particularly in Iraq, as a lot of the Christians are being persecuted by and because of that, uh, they're fleeing into Jordan. And Abu has a ministry there. And, and so Abu, why don't you tell us about how the Lord's leading you and and how you're ministering to these refugees?
1: Well, thank you for having me on this broadcast uh, today. I, I would like to share with you what's really going on among those uh, refugees. Uh, today, we're challenging those churches uh, in all the areas to be part of this, uh, the Great Commission. What we're doing that uh, uh, helping the churches to reach out to those uh, refugees. Uh, so we've been raising uh, lots of volunteers uh, from different uh, denominations, uh, evangelicals, that they will go daily to those uh, refugees' homes to share Christ with them, uh, share the love of Christ, tell them how uh, God cares about them, with uh, giving them some um, uh, food, a food a bag of food, uh, which is dry food usually we use, contains rice lentils, and uh, uh, sugar oil things like this so they can use it uh, for a month almost and this bag is cost about $65 uh, actually plus we're uh, also helping the children uh, giving giving them uh, milk which is very important uh, for them we're distributing a bag of milk uh, for every uh, child uh, in these homes and uh, we're providing blankets we're providing uh, mattresses we providing uh, sometimes when we have families living in one home maybe four five six families in one apartment sometimes we if we could provide for them a uh, a washing machine uh, or fridge uh, because they have lots of kids when you're saying four families minimum in each apartment uh, count four times four minimum that's the minimum number you get uh, almost 16 uh, how many um, more than 16 uh, ch- children. So imagine 16 child in one apartment, small apartment, and that's beside the, f- the other uh, folks too. So um, that's a kind of a treat for the uh, women uh, there. And um, uh, by doing this, uh, we are having, we're having chances uh, to meet uh, and share the gospel, not just share the gospel, but I'm talking today also to have discipleship, to have Bible studies. Beside all this, people are so happy, the refugees, uh, to uh, see really Christ in us. And uh, we praise God that at least we can show uh, this uh, for those uh, Muslims, Syrian refugees, and some Iraqi refugees too. So uh, today we're showing uh, this uh, love of Christ for those uh, refugees. Today, from those refugees, we're getting a good response beside uh, just uh, presenting Christ for them. And they're saying this, applying that what we are teaching uh, for them as Jesus' care. But also, they're, they want us almost every day in their homes because uh, they call us and say, uh, we want we want you to visit us just come without anything we don't want anything just come and visit us why because uh, when they go to other organizations or even Muslim, Muslim organizations to give them food or whatever other things they just throw the things for them or they don't they don't deal with them as human let me say it this way as they're uh, explained for us and so they said uh, in, instead you come to us you bring this stuff for us you sit down you chat with us you hear our sorrows you hear our problems and yes you cannot do very much but at least you are communicating with us and you're we're seeing your love and care and we're learning from that so it, uh, and
0: you're praying with them
1: oh yes definitely <laughs> uh, in every time we visit we uh if that's only visit without uh because now we have weekly the uh, bible study or weekly a discipleship program it depends in each family but every uh and many times we visit them during those weeks so every time we come we pray uh with them beside in all the churches we're working through uh that uh, we're having programs for them once a week we're having a kids club for uh, the children or the second week we will have one week a children program the other week we have something for the women to do handcraft and also do some counseling sessions uh, for them.
0: It sounds like you're doing a really good job there and I know the Lord's uh, blessing you and uh, we'll pray that God will continue to give us the resources so that we continue to provide these physical things that they need. But we're so thankful for the spiritual things that you're sharing and uh, we know that you're going to see a great harvest of, of souls there. The Lord bless you and thank you so much for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. As you are probably aware, this is a listener-supported program. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet entitled Trials by June Hunt to try to help us to work through different trials that we face throughout the day. In the middle of the booklet, it has some uh, questions and answers. It talks about a hardened heart and then a humble heart. And i just like to read a couple of them to you. I think they're pretty insightful. A hardened heart says, God doesn't care about me. My suffering will never end. The humble heart says, my suffering had a beginning, and it will also have an ending. And 1 Peter 5.10 says, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Another one, a hardened heart might say, the Lord turned his back on me and left me broken. The humble heart would say, God is especially close to me when my heart is broken. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In some situations, suffering can be the direct result of a person's destructive choice. In other cases, God often allows the innocent to suffer in order to display His power and divine purposes. John 9, 2, and 3 say this, His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. I highly recommend this booklet. I ask that you'd write in and ask for the booklet Trials. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R, 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231 Today's message is from Dr. Fred Hartman. Printed copies are available upon request.
2: Today's message will be one in this series on the questions of whether or not we are close to end-time events. These are by definition events that will take place following the rapture of the church. Our text is taken from Daniel 12, 1-4. At that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble since there never was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Every one who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise Shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. It is very clear from what we have just read that Daniel was writing about end time events. The great time of trouble is definitely the tribulation. The resurrection of the Old Testament believers and the tribulation martyrs will take place at the second coming of Christ. In light of that, when Daniel refers to running to and fro and knowledge shall increase, he is also speaking of events that will come to pass around that same time period. The area we want to touch on deals with the phrase, running to and fro. If we go back in time, travel was by a horse, donkey, camel, mule, or on the back of an elephant in some far eastern countries. It was slow going. Even on a horse, the best you could do was 30 miles an hour, and that for short distances only. You might be able to get some places by ship, but that too was slow going. Alexander the Great rode horseback, as did George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Just imagine traveling this way from Toronto to Winnipeg. How long and exhausting would that trip be? But that's the way it was for centuries. Think how long it took and how dangerous it was for our ancestors to come across the Atlantic from Europe to North America in a sailing vessel. The next advancement was the development of trains and a railroad network that began to develop in the mid-1800s. Then came the horseless carriage or or the automobile in the early 1900s. Then think how much that has changed in a little over 100 years. My family and I have driven from New York State to Spokane, Washington in four days. What a difference the car has made. Then in 1903 came the airplane. As a boy, my father told me about seeing the Wright brothers fly when they were barnstorming in Baltimore in 1910. Because of that, I always wanted to visit Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, where they made their first flight. When we got there, I realized the distance they flew was only 120 feet, less than the distance between the back and the front of a 747 jetliner. Things have changed greatly since those days. Today, most people have flown. I have crossed the Atlantic Ocean 36 times and have flown from New York to Tel Aviv, Israel, in as little as 10 and a half hours we certainly have seen a great change in going to and fro. However, this is only the beginning. Man has broken the world, the sound barrier. Astronauts are traveling at 18,000 miles per hour and are circling the Earth. They have landed on the moon and safely returned to the Earth. Now there are plans to go to Mars in the near future. I could never dreamed of these things when I was a boy. Yet God told Daniel to write this in a book, and the knowledge of these things would be sealed or not understood until the time of the end time events. All I can say is that it certainly means that we are much closer to the end times than we might think. My question to you is, are you ready to meet the Lord? For those of you who do know the Lord, how is your life being lived for Him? Would you be ashamed of what you're doing, where you are, or what you are thinking right now? The last part of verse 4 claims, knowledge will increase. Think back with me to the days when everything was written by hand. I will use as an example, a scribe who was making a copy of the book of Leviticus. He would hand write on parchment. Just imagine how long that would take. Then, if he made a mistake, he'd have to start all over again and do that new copy without a mistake. Can you imagine writing a whole book of the Bible by hand without an error? I can't. My computer can translate it into a foreign language with the press of a few keys. We can use email, social media, and other means not only to communicate instantly, but send pictures and even talk to the person as well. With the advent of electronics, television, and other advances, we can actually watch events as they occur around the world. Man's knowledge is increasing so rapidly that as soon as we purchase anything electronically, it is already obsolete. Daniel did not and could not understand what he was writing when he penned the words that man would be traveling all over the place and that knowledge would increase like it has. Yet, guided by the Holy Spirit, he faithfully wrote what he was inspired by God to do. Then, to top it off, he said, these things would take place in the last days. My friend, we are closer than we might think. For a moment now, let's think about the way technology has advanced in recent years. When I was young, if a person had a heart attack, you knew their life expectancy was abruptly abbreviated. Yet, about four years ago, my wife had coronary blockage. They placed two stents in her arteries through her wrist, and she returned home the same day. A friend from church had a heart transplant, 12 years ago, and is still alive. As a boy, I had my appendix removed and spent two weeks in bed. Now they do it laparoscopically, and you go home the next day and resume normal activities in a week or two. A couple of years ago in Japan, they developed a fiber optic cable that pushes 14 trillion bits per second down a single strand of fiber. That is equal to 210 million phone calls each second. Technology is advancing so swiftly, the average falls behind more every moment. This only proves that God knew what he was doing when he inspired Daniel to write his book. In the last century... Man has multiplied his knowledge beyond what anyone could ever imagine. However, with all that development in knowledge, you would think that something else would come with it, but it is not. Man has the knowledge, but lacks wisdom. The prophet Amos has put it this way in chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Behold, The days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Second Timothy 3, 1-7. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, "...without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins." led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. As we think about what these verses are saying, we come to the realization that man has attained a great deal of knowledge in recent years. He can travel where he wants. He can communicate instantly with anyone at any time and he has made great strides in knowing how to accomplish so much. However, with all that knowledge and with so many accomplishments, where does this lead him? With a broken heart. I can only say it leads him away from putting his trust in the Lord, who has enabled him to accomplish so much. It leads him to a completely humanistic view of life. He has learned so many things, but it only leads a person to look to himself rather than to look to the God who has given him all of the ability to accomplish what he has done. This takes him to the point that he feels so sufficient in himself that he has no need of God. We can readily see that humanism has moved into our evangelical churches today. So many of those who claim to know Christ as their Savior have allowed either things to come into the other things to come into their lives. They may come fairly regularly to Sunday morning service as long as something else hasn't come up. So many other things get into their way to be faithful at other times. I wonder how many families no longer are studying the Word of God together or being, or having family devotions on a regular basis. The cry of so many faithful pastors today that I hear is, where are my sheep? They're no longer Sunday evening services because no one comes. For prayer meeting, they're pleased if a couple of people show up. In many churches today, Sunday school is becoming a thing of the past. No wonder biblical illiteracy is sweeping the world. Our children are learning humanistic principles from kindergarten on, and our young people are lost in a sea of it when they attend secular colleges and universities. Without a solid foundation in the Scripture, they easily fall prey to the satanic trap into which they have been exposed for years. When we take a look at those who did not know the Lord, we find so many are entrapped in this system. It is no wonder that Paul warned Timothy that as the end times draw close, there would be lovers of themselves, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unloving, slanderers, and all the other things he listed. We are certainly see this play out in our world. Seeing those things fall into place so quickly in the last few years, we had better take heed to the words of the apostle when he warned Timothy that this is what the world would What would take place in the world in the last days? My friend, I believe it is later, much later than we might think. My question to you is Are you ready to meet the Lord? If you know the Lord, are you really living for him? Would Jesus say to you, Well done, my child? If you've never received Christ as your Savior, May I remind you that tomorrow may be too late. Make that decision to recognize your sin and realize He died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. If you receive Him into your life, He will forgive your sins and give you eternal life. Don't put this decision off. I trust the message
0: you just heard will be a great blessing to you and that maybe some of the spiritual truths that were shared you can apply to your own lives this week. Here at CAS National Bible Hour, we're always concerned about those who may be listening who don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And of course, the scriptures are very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that deserves to be in God's presence. There's no way really to get to God unless God would do something for us, and He did. He sent the best gift he had in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, called the indescribable gift. And the Lord Jesus was obedient and he became a man. He babe in a manger, lived a sinless life uh, with a whole goal of going to the cross. And on the cross, he thought about you and me. He bore our sins in his own body as he hung on on the tree. And so the Bible says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you truly trust God, to forgive your sins, uh, to cleanse you, and to have relationship with Him, God will receive you. God will save you. But as many as receive Him, unto them gave He the right to become the children of God. Don't forget to write in this month to get your copy of Trials uh, by June Hunt. It's a wonderful booklet that uh, will really help you through the trials and tribulations that we face each day, and I know it would be a great encouragement to you. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website at missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. Also, we have a internet radio broadcast at M-G-O, and you can also get that on our website as well. We're on the air 24-7 each day, and we would encourage you to listen to that as you can hear many biblical messages and good Christian music each day. And don't forget to remember us in your prayers. We'd covet your uh, financial giving. So we wanna thank you in advance for what you will do for us and help us to do this work of getting the gospel out to the world.